You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. Welcome to ATP Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, showing you how to accentuate the positive, the way to a better life. Your radio station is an example of the future existing right now. Hello and welcome to another hour accentuating the positive here on Soul Traveller Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain. I'm a teacher of deliberate creation, a channel and a medium, channeling wisdom from my guides and broader perspective whom I've called blissful beings. On Accentuate the Positive, you'll hear conversations with open hearts and inspired minds. It's my intent to put more love out through our media. It's so important to have a media diet that uplifts you, empowers you, and reminds you of who you really are, instead of a lot of the media that we get that puts you in fear. So this is why I present the show. I've got some wonderful guests lined up for you. Please subscribe and support positive media. You can stay up to date with the show on Accentuate the Positive Radio with Karen Swain on Facebook or go to karenswain.com and you'll see most of the podcasts there. Welcome to another fascinating conversation with open hearts and inspired minds on Accentuate the Positive with Karen Swain on Soul Traveller Radio. I am so delighted to introduce to you writer, director, producer and channel for Bashar, Daryl Anker. Hello, Daryl. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, Karen. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So great to have you on the show. So I've, I've known about you for a while now, but I've got Lots of questions I'm going to ask you. I'm just going to outline what we're going to discuss here today. We're not okay. going to go too much into Daryl's story because <laughs> Daryl's been doing this now. You know, he's been talking about himself for about 33 years and the different things that you've done, but specifically about Bashar and how it happened. I want to talk about your life in general. I want to talk about Zia Films because I'm finding that very exciting. And then I'm going to bring in um, some questions about Bashar and grill you a bit about Bashar. But um, okay. Obviously, you, about 33 years ago, wasn't it? That I started the channeling, yes. That you started the channeling. So you were in your 30s then? Correct. Okay. (laughs) You know. (laughs) I was actually about 33 when I started. Oh, really? 33 years ago, you were 33? Yeah, roughly. That's cool. So I was watching one of your films online, actually, and someone asked you a question like, how has the channeling helped you physically, your physical body? And you said very sort of tentatively well some people say that I might look a little bit younger than I am and I looked at you and I thought well, you're about my age I reckon you look your age and then you yeah. revealed your age and I went no wow do you want to reveal your age to people uh, oh well, I'll be 65 in October you're looking good honey looking oh, good <laughs> and you know and, and that's one of the questions I want to get into later when we talk about Bashar you know how that frequency that you obviously evoke when you're channeling him how it has changed your life and changed your physical body well we'll just go into that now how is that you know bringing through the frequency of Bashar because he's obviously a different dimensional being and he yeah well I mean mostly it's uh, even more so than than physically really it's it's mostly been a matter of 
emotional balance, mental balance and clarity in applying, you know, his ideas, his principles. It's really helped me to have a completely different and much broader, bigger picture point of view of life. Uh, and applying the concepts into life lets me experience far more synchronicity in my life. Mm. You know, everything just sort of smooths out in a, in a much more positive way. So really, those are the major effects. I mean, you know, we talk about the idea of being in the channeling state does allow me to experience uh, a sensation of less time. It's very collapsed for me. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I'm sure there are physical effects, balancing effects, health effects, and so on and so forth. But I, I really think the stronger and more apparent effects are the effects of applying the information into my life and seeing the result from that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Without, with every channel that's bringing through higher consciousness, we're still humans, right? We're still human beings. Absolutely. We're still dealing with our ego mind and the you know, forgetfulness and we still have to navigate that, you know, we still have yeah. to navigate that. And, and a lot of people think that, you know, people like you who are bringing through exalted wisdom are living that in every moment. But like everyone here on the planet, you're grappling mm -hmm. with these concepts and trying to inject the knowing into your life along with anyone else who's Listen. Yeah, I mean, I've had maybe the advantage of having a little bit more practice. And yeah. so definitely, I'm, I'm definitely experiencing more effects from the information than I used to. So I am apparently progressing <laughs> somewhat. Um, yeah, I mean, it's still been a journey. And I think it's always a journey for the channel too. the channel is never left out of the journey. You know, it's all about clearing things out and becoming more of yourself. And as you do that, you also become more of a clear channel for the information and the entity. So it kind of works hand in hand. So you've been channeling Bashar now for 33 years. Yes. And you've obviously been working in the film industry for about the same amount of time, haven't you? So you've led yep. these two lives where you've mm -hmm. had your career as a producer, director, special effects person. And yeah, I started in special effects. You right? started in special effects. And then the Bashar, how did the two, when you first started, because 33 years ago, Mm -hmm. um, there was not as much of this around as there is today. I mean, there no. were some amazing channels around, but there sure. were very few and far between. These days you look on the internet and especially the young men, there's like every second young man is sort of I know, it's them. everywhere, yeah. Yeah, which and is kind of yeah. exciting, right? I think It is, exciting. and I think, I mean, one of the things that we also are attempting to get across to people in the First Contact documentary is mm -hmm. channeling is a natural state. We yeah. all do it. And it's just a matter of, of getting into that state and what you do with it. So I think more and more people are beginning to realize that through either meditation or just getting into that zone, you know, where you're doing what you love to do, um, you're at peak performance, you automatically shift into the channeling state. And it's, it's actually represented by a particular brainwave frequency. One of the things that I'm very excited about within the documentary that I can't wait for people to see is we actually have some scientific evidence of the different state in the brain because for the documentary, what I did is I got myself wired up to uh, an EEG machine, a brainwave analysis machine, mm -hmm. and did a channeling so I could see, is there a difference in the brain state between my normal waking state and the channeling state? And we discovered and can demonstrate that there is a profound difference. There are many differences, but the primary difference is the 
frequency in the brain goes into what is called the gamma state. And that's above 40 cycles per second, all the way up to 100. Now, somewhere in there is representative of the channeling state. So anytime anyone is doing what they love to do, anytime anyone is in a deep meditation, when they're in that zone, peak performance, they will go into gamma. And then it's just a matter of how do you direct it from there? What are you interested in doing? How are you, How would you rather express that channeling state? Uh, and yeah. you can do it in any number of different ways. So mm-hmm. that's one of the things I want to do is demystify yep. the whole concept that channeling is some bizarre woo-woo kind of thing. It's a natural altered state. Oh, there's so many things I want to say to that. Exactly. I'm with you. I've experienced that same phenomenon in the dentist chair and having the young interns really go into that focused, concentrated state. And as Mm -hmm. an empath, I felt them just be, and it was actually just this bliss as they were just, I don't know, focused, you know, relaxed, enjoying what they were doing and focused. An accountant can do it. Anyone can do it. Yeah, a footballer. As long as you are in that zone where you're doing what you love to do, you're in that thing. In that zone, absolutely, absolutely. That's such a great point. But, you know, one of the things... I'm going to be totally honest here with you. When I first saw you channeling, which was probably about, I don't know, 15 years ago, yeah. I I didn't want to have anything to do with it. Like I saw yeah. Bashar. Yeah. Oh, who's that crazy guy? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And I went, oh, God, I don't want to have anything. And then I saw a, an interview with you, with Daryl Anka, and I really mm-hmm. related to you. I thought, he's a cool dude. You know, I like this oh, guy. Thanks. So it was interesting that to have that relatability, to be able to connect to the human the of human course. being and I went back to Bashar and I could watch everything very easily and I was out of that critical mind that yeah I think yeah I think that happens a lot and and it's actually for people that have seen snippets of the documentary between the difference between the channelings we show in it and the interviews with me one of the things people say right up front is well they thought it was going to be kind of bizarre but when they see that I'm sort of a normal person, (laughs) it grounds it for them and they start to look at it in a different way. So again, not that anyone has to believe that Bashar is real, but what we're attempting to show is that from the altered state, the information is real and it does actually have a profound effect on your life. So I think by everyone starting to know that they can relate to me, it can sort of make it a little easier for them to relate to Bashar. Well, absolutely. And that was my experience. You know, we're on this Bashar trajectory, so I'll stay there. But I wanted to talk about Zia Films and some of the films that you've been making. But obviously, you know, we we tried to connect, I don't know, a year or two ago, I can't remember, about Mm -hmm. about Dearly Departed because I I bought that and watched that. I want to talk to you about because I used to work in the film industries and I love... Oh, what did you do? Oh, I've done many things in the film industry, mostly catering, which is like the bottom of the rung. But no, I think, no, not at all. I, hey, people got to eat. You, you yeah. run, you run the show because if it wasn't for catering, nobody would be working. You know, it's that mother energy in me. I got to feed you, yeah. feed you, and exactly. now I'm feeding you enlightenment. I'm still feeding people. I'm just feeding people enlightenment. But you know, I did props and set dressing and okay, makeup cool. and fashion. I did all the creative things, and it was really, really, really fun. I love loved it I loved it I worked on babe pig in the city and (laughs) but 
I really understand how films are so transformative and I love what Z is doing because getting back to the brainwave, you know, when we're watching television, we go into Mm -hmm. that theta brainwave or alpha theta, we start to relax and the information coming off the screen is hypnotic. It is. Absolutely hypnotic and it, it seems to bypass the logical mind and go straight into the subconscious. And so media in general is such a powerful tool for shifting, for creating beliefs and thought forms. And Absolutely. And I think what we've also begun to realize is that in particular stories story. are a very, very strong way to transmit information because story structure is not really an artificial structure. It's actually a component of our psyche. And therefore, when you tell a story and you hit all the right story points, all the right chords, it resonates with people and it actually allows them to retain information much, much more readily when you uh, tell a story in the correct format. So yeah, movies, all forms of storytelling, television is a very powerful way to transmit information. Absolutely, absolutely. I was having the same conversation with my last interview with Jamie Butler, who's this amazing medium, you know, talking about when I read all Wayne Dyer's books, it was his story about how he forgave his father. It was the only thing I remembered in any of the books because it was his story. Right. You know, in, in order to teach anybody, it is our stories that teach. It is our it is yeah. our personal journey. It's our story because we're all on, we've all got a story, you know. <laughs> We all are a story. Yes. We all are a story. <laughs> exactly. I want to go back to the gamma because you said in the yeah. first contact, so we were talking about it when we were emailing a year or so ago, and now it's you're just editing, you're in the editing. No, I'm actually editing the bonus material that's going on the DVD. The film itself okay. is done. It's done. Yay. Yeah, very exciting. In fact, we're having screenings in a few theaters in Sedona, in Los Angeles, and in New York in September. And then it will come out as, you know, VOD, DVD downloads and all that in October. So it's done and just about ready to go. We're just doing all the publicity and everything now and getting ready for, you know, everything we need for the DVDs and stuff. So are you releasing it into theater? We're No, we're having the three screenings for publicity purpose mm-hmm. in purposes in those three cities and using that to build up recognition for the actual release uh, on DVD and oh, VOD and so forth. Yeah, well, very exciting. So down under this part of the hemisphere, this part of the world, we'll be able to get it in October. I believe so, yes. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) All things continue to go smoothly as they're going right now. And will that be distributed through Zia Film? So it'll be on the website? Yeah, well, there's a actual First Contact website, which is whatisfirstcontact.com. We will be putting the information up there soon as to, you know, people who are able to go to the actual screenings and then eventually we'll have all of the connective links and information there for purchasing the VOD, DVDs and downloads, yes. It's your story of Bashar and how you met him and... How I became a channel, what he's all about, what his messages are about and that this is all potentially a precursor to actual open contact with her. Yeah. Something I want to talk about a bit later too, but I want to go back to the, you said that you were in a gamma when you had the hook up to the ECG. When I'm channeling. When you're channeling, the state of waking consciousness is Normal waking consciousness, I believe, is beta. Beta. Beta, we say beta. And then alpha is like a relaxed state. That's below, right. That's going down. Yeah. But gamma is higher than beta. 
See, gamma is not a trance state. It's actually a state of heightened connectivity. Delta is way down like that's three. Coma. That's like three cycles per second and lower. Right. That's coma. But when you're in gamma, your brain is actually functioning in a much more accelerated rate at a much higher frequency than your normal waking state. It's making all sorts of connections and associations, and it's synthesizing and processing information at a much higher rate. So gamma is actually a more of a superconductive state of the brain uh, above and beyond your normal waking state of comprehension. But at the same time, you're amazingly relaxed. Oh, absolutely. It's a state of flow. It's a state of less resistance. Yeah. So you are, <laughs> to put it, sort of paraphrase it, you're thinking smarter, not harder. You're making you know, more connections and associations more easily in the brain. So you actually don't have to try and think. You actually sort of stop thinking and just start accessing information in a different way receiving as yeah, opposed just, to you're just receiving and letting it flow through and mm -hmm. the brain is processing the information in a way that it can turn into a translation that other people can understand but you're not really thinking in the same yeah. way anymore when you're functioning as a vocal channel you're just being a conduit and letting your brain automatically translate these vibrations into language so I've heard you say that you're not a unconscious channel. So when you're no. bringing through I'm, the... Yeah, I know there's something going on. I'm, mm -hmm. not, I'm not hearing the words. It's kind of like, it, it's like falling into an extremely dynamic daydream. Mm -hmm. It's like if, you, if somebody is, uh, if you're in a daydream and somebody's calling your name and you don't hear them, it takes like three, four times before you realize that somebody's talking to you. It's kind of like that. You're, what you're experiencing is so much more energetic, so much more, it's just where your focus is. You can't ignore it. I'm getting pictures, I'm getting feelings, I'm having downloads into me, but whatever's going on in terms of the translation for someone else might as well be happening next door because it just has nothing to do with me. So it's, it's kind of like that. You know, my, my daughter has accused me of not listening to her so many times because I get into that state of, uh, she's like, mom, mom, like she's older now, she's an adult now, but I'm talking about when she was younger. And right. it's almost like they're in, in, the, in the distance. It's like they're not in your, they're, even though yeah, yeah. you're in the same. It's not, yeah, it's not, it's not the reality that you're focused on at that particular then, moment. And then she'll yell at me, can you not hear me? I'm standing right next to you. And I was like, oh, nope. <laughs> sorry. But this is a common thing that humans do. I mean, to demystify the whole channeling thing, a lot of people do that, that deep state of concentration. And somebody's talking to them, the wife, the daughter, the husband, you know, and, and they say, you're not listening to me, but you're just off with the pixies, so to speak. You're in, <laughs> yeah. You're in deep concentration and you're in another place, in another frequency, in another dimension. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's just a different focus. You're just focused on something else that's going on uh, and letting something else have its say. I mean, this is one of the things that, you know, I'll give you a little tiny preview. This is one of the things we discovered by doing the EEG test is not only are there certain parts of the brain that are more connected and more active, yes. there are certain parts of the brain that shut off. And one of the parts of the brain that shuts off is the part that's responsible for processing personality. So if my personality center is shut down, who's talking, <laughs> right? 
where's the information coming from? Because my brain at that point is incapable of processing my personality. Those centers are actually completely dormant during the channeling phase. So very interesting discovery. Wow, that's fascinating. Some questions that I had when I first saw you channeling. So this is what I was thinking. You know, I'm not going to listen to this because he's talking to an extraterrestrial. Why bother talking to an ET when you can you can go directly to source? Like you can talk directly. Well, of course. I mean, uh, that's the idea. You, everyone is, is that's, and that's exactly what Bashar is telling everyone. You can do this. <laughs> you can do this yourself. You don't need him. But in saying what? that, who is Bashar in that I know he is an aspect of you in the future or in another dimension? Looking at it from a linear point of view. Looking yes. at it from a linear point of view. Is he your higher self? No. He's my future self if you want to look at it from a linear point of view. In other words, if we want to look at it from a space-time idea, it's like he's one of my future incarnations, I'm one of his past incarnations. But, of course, from his perspective, everything exists at the same time, just in different parallel realities. What we call the future, what we call the past, are simultaneously coexisting. They're just in different frequencies. So the reason that we can actually even have the channeling is because my future self and his past self both exist at the same time. And he has the ability to make that connection in his consciousness. And that's why a channeling can occur. Okay, so but, he, but he's a physical being. He is. Although a different frequency living in a different dimension. Correct. So when he is communicating, is he consciously communicating with you or is he communicating yes. with you when he's asleep? Or no, no, no. It's a deliberate connection. So when he's living his life in his planet in mm-hmm. his dimension wherever he is mm-hmm. and he's communicating through you yes is he still talking to other people in his environment he can because his his consciousness is that multifunctional however more often than not he has said he's usually in his ship and in some sort of state of repose in order to help facilitate the connection a little bit more clearly so he okay. can multitask, but normally he's focused on what he's doing. So this is what I'm getting from my mob because I'm in my personality <laughs> mind who, uh-huh. you know, asking those linear questions. Sure. And they're saying to me that you're trying to decipher this through your linear mind time and right. he's not in the same time frame. Correct. So I'm thinking that, you know, all those times that you're channeling him, he's got to stop and go, hang on, Daryl's calling. <laughs> no, no. Um, and in fact, more often than not, it's kind of the other way around. But um, no, because you know, time for him is really truly not what it is for us. And yeah. in off, often he has said, you know, when we're having the conversation with him on our end, he may have already had the conversation. He may have yet to have the conversation. He can shift his consciousness up and down his timeline to have the conversation when it's convenient for him. So it's never an interruption. Yes, yeah. exactly. Okay, so that sorted that out because that was something that <laughs> yeah. I was confused about because, again, we're trying to decipher what's going on from a, a linear, from a third-dimensional perspective, and we're not talking third dimensional so why is you as a teacher as a channel talking to him i know the answer to this but i want it from you and not to your higher self or to a mob or source energy well i am i am i do that too Mm -hmm. but basically he functions in many ways like a mask for the higher self Mm -hmm. he functions as a permission slip to give us 
the ability to give ourselves permission to communicate with our higher selves more easily by using him as kind of a model, in a sense, of what that would be like. So I do. I definitely rely on my own higher self in my daily life. So I'm becoming, let's say he's rubbing off on me, and I'm becoming more like my version of him in my own life. And therefore, it's not like I go running to him or anything like that. In fact, I actually have very few conscious connections with him in the sense of him exchanging information with me. Um, I mostly connect to him to help other people get the translation. If I need something from him, it's just there in a flash. It's, it's just a telepathic hit. Mm-hmm. I only need to go into the other altered state so that it translates into language for you or someone else. But again, it still happens very rarely. He wants me to live my own life. He doesn't want me to come running to him every five seconds. And I don't want to do that. You know, I want to know that I can rely on myself as everyone needs to. So, yeah. But yourself and your own higher self, your inner guidance, because I rely on my inner guidance. I mean, when I'm I'm in a state of uh, grieving or confusion, obviously I'm locked out or maybe concentration like editing film. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's when I am using my higher self, really, is well, like when I'm, when I'm in the groove. You know? Absolutely. But, you know, when you're locked out from that connection to your broader perspective yeah, and you're in the little mind and that little mind has you completely immersed, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you, and you can't access that. So obviously you're accessing your connection, having practiced it for so long with your greater self, with your broader perspective, and you're using that when you're editing and, and in your daily life, you're using that sure. guidance. More and more and more. Yeah, it's becoming more, let's say, first nature rather than second nature. It's becoming more automatic. It's becoming my default position to go into that state for my own purposes. Ah, beautiful. Just getting back to the whole alien thing, you know. (laughs) (laughs) The whole alien thing. Well, we talked about this no linear time and as I understand it, the denser planes, third dimensional reality is a pretty Mm -hmm. tough ride. Yeah, it's challenging. It's a challenging ride because we have that mire, that forgetfulness. And I think Mm -hmm. that higher dimensional existences like other alien existences, we call them alien existences, higher frequencies. It's an easier ride because we're more connected to our broader perspective. Yeah, in in many ways it is, although I have to say that from Bashar's perspective, he says, of course, there are still challenges. There will always Uh, be challenges. And therefore, the challenges for those levels are going to be very different than the challenges for this level. Well, that certain was, will be easier. Yes, certain that things was will be That's one of my easier. questions. What yeah. are his challenges? Like, what, well, are, what are the challenges? Well, I mean, he explores other realities, other dimensions. He's uh, an explorer. He's a first contact specialist. Yeah. So some of the challenges are in dealing with other races that are so different that they really have to alter their perspective to even begin to understand them. That's one of the challenges that he's described that his civilization encounters quite a bit is, is really adapting and attempting to understand the perspective of something that is truly, truly alien, even to them. So that's one of the challenges that they face. Uh, of course, like anyone, they're always growing. They're always learning. They don't know everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, but they're definitely on a, a higher plane than we are. And they've they've left behind many of the things that we still believe uh, are challenging for us. But uh, they do have their own challenges. And I'm not even sure we can imagine 
what some of their challenges are, are like. The only yeah. real difference is they face every challenge from a positive perspective. There's no struggle or suffering in their experience in terms of going through a challenge. Well, absolutely. So, you know, Hollywood has perpetuated <coughs> the idea that an alien race, uh, a more evolved race, technically mm-hmm. evolved race, would be of some threat. So that's been the paradigm that has been perpetuated right. through our media system. And if you look at it from a logical point of view, in order to evolve mm-hmm. um, emotionally, intellectually, technologically, you really have to evolve spiritually. And so you have to yes. come to an understanding that we're all one, there's no separation, what I do for you, you do for me, you yeah. have a more collective understanding. And it, when you come into that collective understanding, you're not wanting to kill anybody. No, it doesn't, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't mean that every extraterrestrial race that exists is necessarily that evolved, but I think that the ones that we're dealing with here are and have our best interests at heart for the most part. So I'm saying it's not impossible to run across an alien civilization that's not necessarily any more evolved than we are, or even less evolved than we are. And some of them may be operating very negatively, but I I do believe that the ones that are capable of really reaching out, uh, really understanding what's going on and communicating with us in this way, have to, by definition, be positive, especially in terms of the channeling thing, because information that comes through in this form can only work if there is a integrative connection happening, and an integrative connection doesn't happen from a negative state of being. Absolutely. So that completely smashes the myth that we're going to be invaded by aliens that are going to destroy the planet, which... loves to do so yeah well it's it's fun it's like riding a roller coaster it gives us an opportunity to sort of play with our fears in a safe environment and have a sort of a a transformation about that so you know it serves a purpose okay all that out of our system good perspective (laughs) it's like somebody like somebody riding a roller coaster and you know okay it's scary for a minute but you know you're basically safe and so you go through the ride and you come out the other end feeling a little bit stronger so. Uh-huh. so that's answered a question that I had about the horror films on Zia that you've got coming up. So yes. what you're saying is, you know, from the, the new age perspective, you know, everything's love and light and positive and all that sort of thing. What you're saying is we can explore our fears through film instead of through life, you know, yes. fighting with people and killing people, like put it yes. on a, a virtual screen and mm-hmm. work out your fears and your limiting ideas there rather than trying exactly. you know, working them out. Okay. Right, exactly. If we tell if we tell even a horror story mm-hmm. properly, then there can be a catharsis in it that can allow people to actually go through a fear in the process of watching the movie and come out of it not necessarily feeling the same way. So Right. It's, it just depends on how you do it. I mean, you know, we're, we're not the kind of production company that would just make slasher movies. That's just not what we do. But we're talking about, you know, real explorations, real experiences that go into some of those fear-based beliefs and, and those experiences that we are afraid might happen to us. And it can get a little fantastical in terms of some of the stories we're telling. But in many ways, that's what sort of helps us use those stories to create an arc where people get through it and they feel more empowered at the end by overcoming those fears. That's really the the way we prefer to design a horror movie. (laughs) 
ah, darling, you're ticking all the boxes. You're ticking off all the boxes because, you know, like I'm looking online and I'm thinking, he's making horror movies. Why is he making horror movies? I know some people say that, but then, you know, and and in fact, we're actually, to let you know, we're actually worrying on a sci-fi horror Halloween attraction as well. But again, it's for fun. You know, it's, it's people know it's not real. And there's definitely a difference that happens in the brain when you know it's not real. And that's what allows you to have the thrill and the chills, but allows you to really know you're going to come out of this okay. And you're going to be maybe a stronger person for having faced your fear in going through the attraction or seeing the movie. Uh, And again, we're purposely designing it in a way so that you actually have the incentive to do that. We're not just sort of, you know, leaving you in a puddle of sweat (laughs) at the end of the experience or the end of the movie. We're, We're giving you opportunities to overcome that fear in the experience itself. So Zia's films are all transformative films. Some are about, let me go on the website, some are yeah. about horror as we've discussed. Where are we? I'm just looking on the website. Ooh, The Hangman. You've got, you've got right. Ghost Town. The well, Stand- that's a comedy. Is that a comedy? Okay, this is <laughs> yeah. Supernatural Ghost- under the heading Supernatural. Yeah, Ghost Town is the idea of, it's the, it's the reverse of the idea of a, of a person coming and finding a haunted house. It's a town where all the people are ghosts and a living family comes into the town. So it's like, kind of like there goes the neighborhood from the ghost's point of view. So it's kind of the reverse. <laughs> I love that. I love that because, you know, I was talking to a, a Lisa Williams. She's a, quite a well-known medium in that she's out there in the mainstream talking to dead mm. people on television, a bit like a John Edwards. Right, right, right. And, you know, one of the questions that everyone asks is, is, is my loved one okay? And I said to her, you know, from that perspective, it's such bliss in that non-physical environment yeah. that really the question, when people are born into a denser plane, into a physical environment, it should be, are my oh, loved ones okay? Yeah, are we okay? Yeah, because they're <laughs> fine up there. Are, yeah, the question is, are we doing okay? Okay, so we've got the Stab Collector, Supernatural Thriller. Woohoo! Mm, yes. Uh, and shadow boxing. What's that about? Shadow boxing is actually based on a true story. We have the rights to uh, the story of this person, James Clark, who had a really interesting transformation in his life where he kind of grew up with a, a, a bit of a rough family life where his father sort of, in a sense, even though while he was teaching him to sort of be a, a boxer, he also sort of used him as a thug, <laughs> kind of in the sense of if anyone dishonored the family, he would actually force his son to go out and beat them up or not come home. So essentially, this turned him into a very angry youth. And he was starting to go outside the law and and break all the rules and eventually got himself into trouble to the point where he had to run away and he joined the Navy SEALs instead of getting arrested. But he was still an angry person. He got into trouble there, wound up actually getting thrown into the brig, and it was going to be pretty much for life. But through a series of circumstances, he, he managed to get out. But while he was in jail, in solitary, he discovered the only thing in that cell with him that somebody for some reason had left there was a book on Plato's metaphysics. Mm -hmm. And he started reading it and it completely transformed his life to the point where he started after he got out of jail, demonstrating amazing feats of strength and power through the idea of self-empowerment and rechannel the energy 
to the point where he went from basically being a delinquent and a dangerous person to a master of martial arts and a teacher of metaphysics today. So it's a very transformative story. We're very excited about telling that story. And so we're, you know, looking for people to help us finance and make that movie because it's it's something that's very close to our arts. Oh, darn, I just love what you're doing with this because as we've discussed already, it's, you know, movies are such a transformative tool. They're such a hypnotic tool both to embed and imprint negative belief structure as well as positive, yeah. expanded, expansive, transformative ideology. Yes, absolutely. And now with, you know, what's going on in television today as well, we, you know, we're developing a couple of, of TV series as well, because you're getting a lot of really, really good stories on TV now that are equal to and sometimes even surpassing some of the films that are out there in terms of the characters that you can create and the stories that you can tell over time can in many ways be much more powerful than just a two-hour movie so we're we're getting into that field as well well absolutely because most of the sitcoms on television are so entrenched in third dimensional you know Mm -hmm. i hate you let's fight let's talk about each other let's gossip let's kill the enemy i mean even star wars look i'm a big fan of star wars (laughs) Uh, not Star Wars, what do you call it? Uh, the other Star one. Trek. Star Trek, thank you. Yes. But even the new stuff that's coming out, it's still a, it's still this polarised the enemy stuff. It's about mm-hmm. fighting the enemy, even though it's for a good cause to save the galactic or whatever they're doing. But I'm sure that when you're in that higher dimensional frequency, you're not fighting any enemies anymore. As I said to you before, what are his challenges? You know, challenges are completely... There's yeah. different challenges as opposed there are. to... And even in this reality, I mean, Bashar has said that, you know, when even when you get to the point where you have let go of all of your negative and fear-based beliefs, yeah. it's still going to be a process of letting go after that point of things that are simply no longer relevant for you. Luckily. But, well, that's going to be a personal journey for everyone, but it's it's an issue of streamlining. Certain ideas, certain concepts may simply no longer be relevant in your life, and you may change your lifestyle based on that. I mean, a simple example might be, well, it's not necessarily a negative belief that you might be eating certain foods, but yeah. if you get to a point where you simply don't need them anymore, they're not relevant for you anymore, you'll just let them go. That's a very simplistic example, but that's the idea. You just keep streamlining and refining yourself to a certain point. And really the whole idea, just to use the word that is used in in stories, the whole idea of conflict is even though there may be the creation of an external conflict, the real strong and most powerful stories just use that as a symbol for the internal challenge and the internal conflict that turns a character from one kind of person into another kind of person. That's the stories that really stick. So it's not just about, it's not about the idea of eliminating conflict from the story. It's how do you use that conflict to actually allow a transformation to occur in your character that creates a symbol, a very powerful symbol of change for the people watching that journey. And so that's really how you use the idea of the external, you know, villains or the external challenge that seems to be conflictive in a positive way. It's not really about eliminating that from the story. It's about overcoming and transforming that in mm-hmm. the story. Well, definitely in our reality, definitely what, what mainstream humanity is watching. 
But mm. I was talking about from the perspective of higher dimensional beings. And the, oh, well, yeah, they have yeah. different they have different challenges and they have different stories to tell. Mm. And we'll find that out when we get there. <laughs> I know. But right now we're still on Earth. And so we're, <laughs> we're transforming the Earth into a different kind of an Earth through some of the same principles that we understand exist on the higher levels. But we still need to do it through the language of physical reality so that people get it. Otherwise, it'll just be a little too alien to them, to use a phrase. Yeah. Yep. You know. But we're getting there. We are. Yeah. We've, yeah. It's a, it's a fun ride. Okay. So sci-fi. I'm still on Zia Films. Uh, you've yes. got Disclosure, a sci-fi yes. thriller and a TV series, as we were talking about. Yeah. And that's um, all about the entire the, the entire UFO story from beginning to end, not only from our point of view, but from the alien's point of view as well, leading to the idea of disclosure of the present. Well, that's interesting because I've heard Bashar talk about disclosure because it seems to be a question that a lot, a lot of people ask him. Mm-hmm. Because, look, you know, here's the gig. So you believe in aliens, mainstream thinking mm-hmm. has said, if you do, you are crazy. So that's been an imprinted thought form that... Well, more specifically, if you believe the aliens are here, they're crazy. <laughs> Mainstream science is perfectly willing to accept that there are extraterrestrials at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. It's just that most scientists still don't quite understand or believe that they could actually get here or that UFOs might be representative of such beings. Uh, that's the next thing we need to break through is, and, and some scientists are doing that. I, in fact, that's again one thing that we cover briefly in the documentary is there are many scientists that are actually now demonstrating, at least mathematically, that it is not inconceivable beings can go from star to star in relatively short periods of time. We just have to think a little bit more outside the box, technologically, about how that can be accomplished. In showing those theories, we also demonstrate, from Bashar's point of view, how they do it, which is a very different idea from the way our scientists are thinking, but both of them are still about the idea of the ability of being able to get from one star to another in a very short amount of time. Yeah, well, that's getting back to, that's a question I had on my little list there, is how does he mm-hmm. travel, like how does Bashar's gang, mob, tribe travel? <laughs> it's, yeah, well, we, like I said, we, we explain that in the doc and we use graphics okay. to make it a little easier to understand. Okay. Because it, it's a very different way of looking at reality. And it can get a little bit confusing. But let's just say it has to do with certain frequencies that they understand that we don't. Mm -hmm. Certain things about the structure and nature of physical reality that we don't quite get. Uh, And it's just more easily explained the way we explain it in the documentary because we have graphics to go along with it. And uh, it doesn't get too technical because it can. Yeah, he explains very clearly how they do it. Well, I'm probably going to ask you a lot of questions that will be in the documentary because that's kind of how I operate. Like I totally yeah, okay. tune in subconsciously. Like I'm sure, asking. sure, sure. Okay, so let's get back to Zia. In the mm-hmm. nick of time, so ooh, we're getting back. So this is one of the constructs that you're mm-hmm. explaining with the time, with the travel. It's about time. Mm-hmm. It's all about the construct of time. Yeah, but that's a that's a actual, at least at the moment, that's designed to be a cartoon for children. That is about a hero, Nick, who can uh, travel through time and has to kind of prevent someone who wants to change history to make themselves the ruler of the earth. 
and he has to sort of defeat that person and bring everything back to the way it was each time and do it in, quote unquote, the nick of time. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun comedy cartoon that is for ostensibly for children, but also, of course, will appeal to the adults with a lot of the concepts that are in it, we hope. Uh, so, yeah, we're working on that, too. Well, you got a lot on your plate there. Yes, we do. Oh. And there are things that actually aren't even there at this particular moment that we're focused on right now that I can't tell you about. <laughs> okay, so all these things on the website, you're looking for funding. I mean, they're in different sure. levels of progress. Some need complete funding, some need partial funding, some are in yes. production. Um, yeah, it just yeah, it just depends. You know, um, we, we take them as they come. We follow our own synchronicity in terms of who comes to us and who gets interested in, in helping us uh, produce any of these things from one point or another. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're, they're all in various stages of either, you know, development or pre-production or what have you. But, um, you know, we just take it as it comes and follow our own excitement, which is exactly what Bashar would have us do anyway. So I'm just loving this one. Roswell, the musical. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's about time that some kind of a musical stage play told that story. So we're working on that, too. <laughs> Another one called Alienated. Fabulous. Yeah, another day. comedy. That's mm-hmm. a comedy. I love it. And The Ark. The Ark is a big sci-fi movie. Yeah, that's that's a that's a you know that's way up there. That's something that's probably down the line a bit in terms of our ability to uh, to handle that in terms of funding and and production scope and all of that. But that's a very large scale sci-fi movie with lots of special effects in it. Oh. Wow. And then a couple of horror movies we've got here, mm-hmm. the zombie doc, or does that say pop or doc? doc it's doc. doc, it's doc zombie. And it's a completely different twist on the zombie genre that again, I cannot tell you about right now, ah. but it's something that's never really been done before. And okay. So and the dare. Horror, the dare. The dares. Yeah. That's a little bit more straightforward, old fashioned horror story, but again, deals with transformation in a variety of ways. So I'm not going to tell you more about that either. Gosh. So I heard you say when you were telling your story to another interviewer, obviously Bashar started coming through when you took a channeling class and you took the channeling Mm -hmm. class not because you wanted to be a channel, but because you were fascinated, interested. I was researching. Researching, interested. And I was just, you know, like whatever we're interested in, whatever we're fascinated in that we want to research to the point of going to do a class is Mm -hmm. is usually always you know, something that is a part of your life plan, for instance. Sure. But you met a lovely girl in that class that you met. I did. And she's um, been your wife all these years. All now this time, Erica, partner. right? And Erica is actually my producing partner at Zia Yeah. Yeah. So, and, yeah. And on the website, it says that she was a dancer and that she's worked in mm-hmm. many films herself. One yes. of them was Staying Alive with John mm-hmm. Travolta. Mm-hmm. SOB with Julie Andrews, Adventures yes. in Dinosaur City. Oh, she's mm-hmm. done so much. And she's also written and published a novel. She has called Robin's Nest. I'm very proud of her for doing that. Yes, she's an, actually an excellent writer as well. So we have a lot in common on that level. And we work very well together as partners in a production company. It's, it's a lot of fun. Oh, beautiful. So obviously you met Erica during that time when you first started to bring through Bashar. So there was no... Yes. There was no dating a woman and saying, <laughs> right. I didn't way. have to break the news to her. 
Yeah, by the way. <laughs> by the way, I channel an alien. <laughs> yeah, goodbye. <laughs> Whatever happened to that girl I dated? <laughs> well, that no, was easy that for That wasn't an issue. That wasn't a challenge, thank goodness. I mean, right that, there. Was, that was nice and easy for you. But I suspect easier now, maybe still not easy, but, you know, looking at we've just explored all the things on your website. So, sure. uh, so you're sort of completely immersed in the whole alien phenomena and transformation it's like completely you know you're marinating in transformation but all those years ago <laughs> haven't heard it put quite that way but i'll take that yes <laughs> do you like that one i like that I one, like that one. <laughs> yeah. That's but all those years ago when you first started channeling what yeah. was life like for you trying to explain it to people that didn't get it well i mean it's it's always a little bit of a challenge, but I also find that I haven't attracted that many people who either don't get it at some level or who I really have to explain it to. In fact, I was working in special effects when I began doing the channeling and began doing regular sessions. And somebody in the company noticed, you know, I would uh, leave about the same time every week, you know, to do something. And I, it was very clockwork like, and it was very different than me just leaving at a regular hour to go home. And she finally asked, like, you know, where do you go on Thursday nights? And I, then I was like, okay, here it comes. Here's the speech. Let's see how, how this <laughs> sells. And I started very gently, you know, because I never, I never bring it up unless someone else brings it up. There's really no point in doing so. So I just sort of very gently talked about the idea of exploring spiritual concepts and going to seminars and doing this kind of thing. And I only really got like part of the way through it. And she just turned to me and goes, oh, you're a channel. Yeah. Go, Wait, how do you know about that? She said, oh, my mom's been channeling for years. So I immediately realized that it wasn't really going to be that big of a deal for me in my life. I just wasn't really attracting people that would find it that odd. I'm sure there are people who find it extremely odd, but I guess they find it odd enough that they don't even want to interact with me. So I never really have that conversation with them. All the people that I've had the conversation with are either people who are friends or have become friends or who are already exploring that kind of stuff within their own life anyway. Mm -hmm. So I think that by the time they find me, the things that I manage to say to them are striking enough of a chord that it makes sense to them. They're at a place in their life where they actually need to have attracted themselves to someone who's going to talk to them about it. And therefore, there really aren't that many bumps in the road on the journey that I've experienced uh, with regard to getting this across. Even my own parents, uh, when they were alive, they didn't understand what I was doing at all. They didn't understand really what channeling was. Mm. The bottom line for them was they understood that what I was doing was helping people. And that's what was important to them. And so they were fine with it mm. on that level. So I didn't really need to explain it. They just understood that people were getting a benefit out of it. And as far as they were concerned, then I was doing something good. So, you know, it hasn't really been that big of an issue in my life for some reason. Well, that's a beautiful answer. And I asked this question for all the people that are attracted to you because they're bringing through their own channeling mm -hmm. and they're grappling with, how do sure. I tell my mom about this? <laughs> well, you don't have to tell anybody, really. I mean, you know, it's not something you need to force on anyone. I think if it comes up naturally in the conversation, then that's fine. But I don't go out of my way to tell people, you know, I mean, it, it's not something that is everyone's cup of tea. And I recognize it and I respect that. So, 
you know, there's just no need. The ones that need to find it will find it. Yeah. I, have, I have no agenda to force it on any. But, you know, now that you're quite, I thought that you were really well known, but I said to a few people during the week, my conscious friends, yeah. <laughs> guess who I'm talking to next week? And they're yeah. like, who? And I went, who? Yeah, who? So I said to about three or four people and they had no idea who you are. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I thought you were really well known. But anyway, Matt. <laughs> I, I am to people that know me. <laughs> Anyway. Well, let's see. Let's see what happens after the film comes out, because you know that'll probably be a, another level of exposure. Absolutely. Um, but again, I find that you know, I mean, there are a lot of people that do know me, but I also find that there are certainly more that don't. And I think the idea is that a lot of what I found that's interesting is a lot of people know the channels that are channeling beings that are more or less, let's say, spirit. Yeah, or like other Abraham. Di- yeah, other dimensional in that way. But I find that the idea of connecting to an ET yeah. is another level yet again that a lot of people just aren't ready for. They can accept the idea of the spirit thing. Yep. They, some people have a little bit of confusion about how this is actually supposed to happen with a physical extraterrestrial. And so I think that it's it's a place that they can ultimately get to. And more and more people are sort of getting there and making that connection and understanding the similarities between channeling a spirit and channeling an extraterrestrial being because the channeling process is the same for both entities. It doesn't really matter. But there's that little extra step of, oh, wait a minute, you're saying this is a real being, a physical being in our reality that I could actually meet someday? Mm -hmm. That's another leap for a lot of people. And I think that slowly people are getting to that point. Um, but a lot of people are not there. And that's okay if they're not. It may, again, not really be the, the road they need to take. But I find that there's a distinct line in the sand in the metaphysical community between the idea of channeling uh, a spirit and channeling an alien. So we'll see Absolute, what happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just a, it's just an opening and, a, and an expansion and an allowing mm-hmm. and an acceptance of, you know, if you've seen my emails, Life is a journey of infinite possibility. It's like Absolutely. infinite possibility. And so it's that cracking open of the critical mind that says, oh, that's bullshit. You know, so many yeah. things that I've gone, oh, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. <laughs> My mind's been cracked open. It's like infinite possibility. What if? What if? And I mean, it was even cracked open more last year with some of the authors that I spoke to and read about different dimensions and alien life forms and planets and it's mm-hmm. mind-blowing what's out there you know it's just, it is it is and I think you know there are more and more people who are open-minded about that at least enough to explore it and not just dismiss it out of hand which is great I mean that's you know what led I don't know if you noticed on the website we were very lucky in getting the actor James Woods to be our narrator for First Contact. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we met him, he actually said, you know, this is the kind of thing where, you know, it's not about just believing it, but it's at least being open-minded enough to ask the questions and explore it. So he was exactly the perfect person to narrate this. And it gives it a little bit, I think, more credibility and more grounding to see that someone like that is willing to say, you just have to explore these things. You can't just dismiss them. And so we're very indebted and grateful to James Woods for uh, being willing to come on board and, um, you know, and give us a little bit more gravitas than we otherwise might have had. So, 
Yeah, I want to ask you about, I've got a few, so many questions in my mind, but I want to ask you about this, the mudra. But just before I do that, you know, I saw mm-hmm. Deepak Chopra speak mm-hmm. oh, probably 20 years ago here in Sydney. I took a girlfriend who was just, she was just opening up to spirituality. <laughs> anyway, and he was talking about the reality of beam me up, Scotty. So Deepak was in his expanded mind at that point. I think he brought it right back down after that because people were just walking out of the auditorium in droves. <laughs> because <laughs> okay. he was talking about you know what you know we're all holographs and he was just oh, all right. it might have been a little too far too fast it was fabulous i loved it but my girlfriend yeah. just looked at me like what have you gone what? to do and i didn't yeah. know that deepak was going to go there but he went sure. there day and he was talking about how the beam me up scotty you know dematerializing and rematerializing right you know there's a very real reality in that and yeah. uh does Bashar talk about that at all? He has. Certainly he has. And uh, he I mean, he'll go, he'll go, well, I mean, <laughs> that's a very long conversation. He'll, cause he'll go deeply into the physics of it all. Right. And in fact, he's actually had, I mean, this is, this is still astonishing to me, you know, because I'm not a physicist mm-hmm. and, but Bashar has had conversations with physicists who have been bold enough to actually be okay with having a conversation with a channeled entity. Fabulous. And, you know, they walk out of those private sessions very happy with the information that he's given them so yeah. uh he can talk on that level mm. and take them beyond you know where they're at at this particular point in a way that they can comprehend so those kinds of questions are things he does address mm-hmm. uh, but to go into them now <laughs> first of all i don't even remember half of what he says because i don't you know i'm not listening in during the private sessions yeah i get the aftermath of it but he definitely does cover a lot of those different kinds of subjects that have to do with physics and how reality physically works now the mudra you're talking about is not something that i intentionally ever did that was simply my body's reaction to the energy through me bashar has explained that it's it's a focusing mechanism a balancing mechanism and because the mudra is usually over my solar plexus in the middle of my body, mm-hmm. it's what he calls the chakra of intention. Mm-hmm. And it's helping to, like a lens, focus the vibration that's coming through me from his energy in a way that's directing it toward the people he's speaking to. So it's like an amplifier or a magnifier of that frequency so that he can focus it in a very laser-like concentrated way to the people that he's uh, delivering information and vibrations to in the conversations. So that's just one of the natural things that happened when I started channeling, along with the deep breathing that you also hear. It's Mm -hmm. just an aligning system. It allows my body to take in more oxygen while breathing less often Mm -hmm. in order to support the extra energy that's coming through my body so that it, in fact, doesn't tire me out or wear me out. Absolutely. Why I ask is that my body does it too. And I I have seen myself do it and I go, oh, that's what Bashar does. And then my critical mind gets in the way and is like, are you just copying Bashar? (laughs) Well, in some ways that, in, in some ways, every channel I find in my research from each generation, whoever teaches them or whoever they sort of lock onto as a symbol or a representation, they'll pick up some of the same traits because that is the state that you sort of need to get in that represents being in the proper state to bring that stuff through. So it's like anything. I mean, if you're, if you're playing a piano 
and you have a teacher, you're going to follow the way the teacher is teaching you, and you're going to make similar hand motions and so on and so forth. So even in channeling, you're going to see some similarity from channel to channel when people get in that state, because there are certain things our bodies do to translate that energy in a certain way that works for us. So it's not surprising that you'll see some of the same traits. It's really just what this is what the energy does to us. This is how to translate it. This is how to balance it best by putting your body into this state, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's no, a natural it thing. It was an excellent answer because I, again, wondered why I was doing it, like what's the meaning yeah. of it? Mm -hmm. And um, it feels very good. It feels it very does. natural. Yeah, and and talking to you now, it's like it's natural for my hands to just do that. Because right. I used to do this uh, for a long time. Mm -hmm. I used to put yeah. one hand over the top. And then I saw a Buddha statue and then someone told me that there was a specific mudra and that specific mudra meant something. And I went, oh, I do that naturally. But then, then it shifted to this. So it's interesting how your mm -hmm. body... It'll evolve. It'll evolve moves. like anything. Mm -hmm. different states of being will require different body language yeah it represents the state you're in at that point with the breathing because i remember the channeling happened spontaneously for me in that mm -hmm. i had known about it i'd seen it and and um i suspect right. that i was asking for it and, you know summoning it but <laughs> yeah. uh, i'm sure you probably were yeah but it would happen during i was massaging there was a hollywood movie star because i used to work in the film industry and then when i was right. massaging my friends would send me, you know, people from overseas and I massaged a lot of Hollywood movie stars and right. one particular one had a picture of a guru mm -hmm. on her thing and I started asking questions like, what's this Indian guru thing about? And I started to expand and that breathing thing just started right. happening but my head was exactly. like, ah. Yeah, but see, but see, having tracted synchronistically the ability to massage all those people probably started giving you the opportunity to practice flowing energy through your body. So Absolutely. that was your way of doing that. Absolutely. Everyone has their own way. Yeah. I had to change my, because I, I would touch people, I would know so much information mm -hmm. about them and I couldn't help but right. like an out of control train, like the information was coming through and I just had to stop calling myself a masseuse because people were coming, although I know that there is no, accidents yeah, yeah. they're all happy accidents but i remember there was one particular mm -hmm. hollywood movie star who's quite well known that was out here and i was telling him all this stuff and he was just looking at me like this going like <laughs> <laughs> right who's touching me here he was just am i in trouble am i in danger who's this crazy woman <laughs> who is this crazy woman and i remember looking at the expression on his face thinking okay i've got to stop calling myself a masseuse <laughs> yeah just just own up to it yeah. <laughs> just own up to it but that breathing you know spirit inspire there's that whole like when you operate mm -hmm. you 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 know you draw in spirit and it's just natural that your breathing expands when you expand yeah, well, your exactly and again it's you know the body needs more oxygen to support the higher frequency energies yeah interesting um, so it just kind of automatically started doing that when I went into the channeling state. Yeah. Interesting. I saw you channeling. As I was researching you for this, I was looking mm -hmm. online and I was thinking, what did Daryl look like when he had hair? <laughs> we have several shots of that in the documentary as you see a progression of me channeling over the years and get losing, losing more and more hair. Yes, I'm becoming more like Bashar who has no hair. <laughs> You know what, I have to say, this morning as I was blur-drying these luscious locks, I had a little mob up there telling me to enjoy the hair. 
you know, we don't have any. Enjoy it. And I'm thinking, yeah, exactly. it's nice to have air, isn't it? <laughs> no, don't have to. So in with that, it was a television show, which was, I guess it was about 29 years ago. And yeah, I was, but I was just a subject on that, yeah. I was thinking progressive for 29 years ago. Oh, and yeah, I was, mm-hmm. and the audience were asking really great questions. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking... Time. So you were talking a lot about, as many audiences do, they ask about the future. What's in our future? And I was thinking as I was watching this, we are their future. We are living what they were asking about because I think Bashar was talking about in 20 years this is going to happen and in 10 years this is going to happen. Seeing more and more and more of that kind of coming to pass, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that we can even... You know, most people, whether they buy into it or not, at least are using the word channeling <laughs> nowadays to say different things. So, you know, 20 years ago, if you said that word, they wouldn't have a clue what you were talking about. So at least there's more and more of that information and more and more people exploring consciousness, more and more people open to the idea that things that seemed impossible before may not be so impossible now. So there's a, definitely a lot of things that we were talking about back then that I'm seeing more and more of. And I think more people are not feeling so isolated about that anymore because I know that many people, including myself, you know, when they got into this, felt like there's no one else around who talks this way, who understands this stuff. And so I think now more and more people are finding kindred spirits who understand this particular journey. And that's a big difference now. And where is your future going? What do you see happening in the future? I mean, obviously, you've got a zillion Zia films happening, so you're going to be pretty busy for the yeah, next... Well, I mean, I can't really say that I absolutely know because certainly it's about living more in the present and just sort of seeing what unfolds and then relating to that in the most positive and, and uh, creative way. So certainly I see continued expansion and continued expressions of creativity and being more of myself. I can guess that a lot of that will happen not only in the channelings, but with the films as well. Mm. But beyond that, I'm not even really willing to make a guess because I certainly don't want to limit the ways in which it could happen in ways I can't even imagine at this point. So I'm willing to be present with it, whatever happens and go with the flow. As long as I keep doing what excites me the most, I know that whatever unfolds will be in most alignment with me. And I can't really ask for more than that. Yeah, exactly. So Bashar talks a lot about timelines. There's a big thought form that, you know, if I go to a psychic, she's going to tell me my future. But then, of course, you talk to Bashar and there is no future. He's, that is he's saying there's no such thing as a prediction of the no future. Such, the psychic yeah. is picking up on the energy that exists in the present. If you don't change it, it might come to pass, but sometimes the psychic prediction can actually render itself obsolete because now you know about it. So you might say, well, she's telling me this or he's telling me this, and I'm not really sure I'm aligned with what they're picking up right now. Therefore, maybe I'll change it. And therefore, it may seem like the prediction is wrong, but the prediction may have been exactly correct about the information and energy that existed at that moment. And you deciding to go down a different path have now changed the outcome, changed the energy. Therefore, you've made the prediction obsolete. It doesn't mean it was wrong to begin with. It may have been exactly correct at that moment, but we still have the free will to make choices. That's what's really all about. So predictions to me are like, they're sensing mechanisms, they're guiding mechanisms. It's like, this is what I'm picking up that exists right now. Are you aligned with that? Are you not aligned with it? You prefer this, you prefer something else. 
I think that's the better way, the more constructive way to use the idea of prediction, because there's so many probable futures that the only thing you can do is really navigate from the present. So if someone is sensitive enough and clear enough to really pick up on the energy that exists in the present, then you can certainly use that as a tool to guide yourself in deciding what you prefer or don't prefer to experience uh, from that point forward. That's how I would yeah, look at it. Absolutely. I think you know, the Seth material was teaching me a million years ago, all your power is in the now. Exactly. And, you know, I have a fabulous example of what you're talking about. So when I was about 18, 19, there was four of us that went to Hawaii and we all went to a bazaar and had a psychic reading, right? Mm-hmm. And my girlfriend said to me years later, you know, I don't believe in any of that psychic stuff. And mm-hmm. I said, why not, Kristen? She said, remember when we were in Hawaii and we had that reading? She said, that reader told me that I was going to die young, a violent death. And I looked at her and I said to her, you were. Because she was this pretty young girl who loved dating gangsters. Uh-huh. Like she just thought the more dangerous you were, that was really attractive to her. And she dated yeah. a lot of gangsters and one of them was gunned down. We had this television show here in Australia called Underbelly or something. A lot of her boyfriends were in that. You know, one of them was gunned down in the street. And right. in that timeline, she was directly in alignment for that future because... Right. And then at the she, time, yeah, right. It's like it picked time. up on the danger in that time. Yeah, absolutely. That could and have led to her death. Yeah. That could have led to, and she thought after that reading, I've got to change my boyfriends. And she ended up marrying <laughs> a very nice young man and moved to the suburbs and had a couple of kids. So she absolutely shifted her lifestyle after that right. reading. Right. So yeah. I think that's that's a better way to use it. It's like, okay, I'm getting a reading on where the energy is now. Yeah. Is this where I really want to be? and then make a decision that's you know more in alignment with your preference so what would you like to finish with what would you like to say to people well again i mean they can find out whatever they need to find out whatever they would like to explore with regard to the bashar information by going to bashar.org b-a-s-h-a-r.org they can find out about zia films by going to ziafilms.com z-i-a-f-i-l-m-s.com or first contact the what is first contact.com website And again, really, I think it's just all about following your joy, following your excitement. That's what really works best. It's always worked for me even before I knew about Bashar. I just was never the kind of person who would do what didn't interest them. And it's always supported me, always, always, always. So I would say that the biggest thing to let go of is the idea that following your dreams can't support you because it can If you are truly in alignment with what your excitement is, that's important to know the difference. I would certainly encourage people to follow their dreams. And this is something I say in the documentary is, you know, I'd rather be called crazy and follow my dreams than look back and regret that I never went down that path that I had an opportunity to explore that really would have made all the difference in the world. So that's really what I would like to leave people with is be yourself (laughs) as much as you possibly can, because no one else is going to be you. And the hardest thing in the world to be is to try to be someone else. So it's actually much easier to be yourself when you let go of all the fear that we've been brought up to believe in. I would encourage people to be themselves as much as they possibly can, whatever is really true for them. What I want to do is thank you for allowing this particular opportunity to discuss all these wonderful things and for being a part of that new society and community. It's exploring all this because that's what makes all the difference in the world is that these things are talked about and understood and explored and brought 
no pun intended, down to earth. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for being on the show. It's been really such a a blessing and so fascinating. It's been wonderful. Loved it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Karen. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining me for another show accentuating the positive here on the home of Conscious Music, Soul Traveller Radio. Remember to support Conscious Music, Consciousness. Go to Soul Traveller Radio on Facebook and accentuate the positive radio with Karen Swain on Facebook. Check out my website, karenswain.com, for any readings and teachings available about spiritual, deliberate creation for the change makers, difference makers and disruptors catch you next time thanks for listening bye for now